When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's back and bigger than ever. It's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. It is time for the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com. There's uh, plenty ahead as we dive into uh, the week that was and the week that is. And the, all the gang is here in the, uh, I would just say this is the worst shape the studios <laughs> have ever been in as uh, we hired real uh, people to come in and work on things. And uh, they tore shit up. And uh, they built stuff back really fast. But, you know, there's been holes in walls. There's holes in the floor. There's... All, all that will be fixed quickly, but uh, yeah, we're moving up in the world. And I, look, I know I posted online, people were like, oh, I thought you were done with the office. That's like, you know, the, the technical stuff. This is just like the look stuff that we're doing now. So it's all, uh, it all makes us better than you. That basically is what it means. I'm just ready for uh, the people that don't think that this is like an investment into a company <laughs> that like just don't understand what's going on here. And that's okay. So like that Tuscany they will. Bob Stoops. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, it is what it is. That's why they hide behind Twitter posts or message posts. Tuscany post. Bob Stoops is the biggest loser on Twitter. Uh, I, he, is, uh, he is my number one biggest loser on Twitter. I can't believe I don't have him muted and or blocked. I haven't blocked. I don't, and I don't have very many people blocked. I don't I have either. I have the entire town of Anadarko to blocked giant, by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is what it is. I we're, mean, look, you, okay. see, you see a basketball game. That is four to two, and and for those that you don't know, Anadarko, who did they? Who did what, they Weatherford. Weatherford, uh, who's a bigger school than them. So I mean, I, I can see maybe how you place a little hijinks or whatever, but you don't have a shot clock in Oklahoma high school football. So they basically, I assume, ran the four corners the entire game, uh, and like all four of their points came like in the last you know minute of the game or something like that. No, it was four to nothing at one point in like was the it? third quarter, I think. But yeah, like if you don't know what we're talking about. Weatherford and Anadarko played a four to two game last night, and it's embarrassing to be, uh, you know, somewhat a part of the state of Oklahoma uh, and have everybody else talking about how embarrassing that is for the sport of high school basketball. It doesn't teach anybody anything. Nobody's gonna, you know, get. Nobody's getting a bunch of money off of a Tuesday night win in Weatherford, Oklahoma. The I don't care is. if the guy the who, under who is. money get in here. <laughs> well, I mean, I. Everybody's talking about, well, don't you want to win? Well, I, it's high school basketball. Like, I'd nobody... say it's more like, you know, don't you want the kids to go out and, ha- and enjoy themselves? Like, it, look, if they enjoy scoring four points and winning, yeah, maybe more I'm wrong. power maybe, to them. Maybe there are a bunch of soft kids that enjoy that these days. But <laughs> well, look, it's just look, sad. As, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a resident Southwest Oklahoman, I will t- and Josh, you know this very well. 
We'll bring Josh McQuiston in here. Who was the uh, Julian Wilson? Was that the running back from Anadarko back Sheldon in the day? Wilson. Sheldon, Sheldon Wilson. Sheldon, Sheldon Wilson. Wilson was South yep. Went to Ineo. Um, and uh, did he ever go past Ineo? No, he went to a lot of other places, but no. So, mm. I, I mean, he's a perfect example of a kid like, you know, his grades weren't really good. You could tell, like, you know, the school itself kind of rallied around him to kind of help him just get through high school. Uh, and then, of course, he had to go to NEO, so he didn't qualify. That was, you know, back in the days when you actually had to qualify to go to a college. But, like, Josh, you kind of learned the lesson of, like, what Anadarko is about then. It's, it's a, a lot of kids, a lot of Native American kids that don't come from the best backgrounds. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to get into, like, you know, suicide rates and things like that. But that's, you know, that's something that Anadarko as a, as a community has dealt with for a very long time. So... I'm a little, you know, I, I know Eddie, you know, part of it is joking, but I, I don't want to get the Anadarko people all upset at, at me or you. Really, it doesn't need to happen. But, like, that is, Josh, that's just an area of the country that, you know, has a lot of people looking out for a lot of people that just, just don't come from anything. Uh, I mean... <laughs> That is a really heavy lead-in. I'll, I'll try to br- bring <laughs> this back a little bit. This I'm isn't even about, about I'm sorry about you, Oklahoma City elites, all this right? This isn't about... Some of us grew up not in even, the country. It's not even about... And know how stuff happens. It's and, not and, even about Anadarko. Weatherford's at no. fault, the, too. The people that are coming after you, I, you have to understand the context. F*** the, them. I don't care. The... <laughs> <laughs> The problem then is... Then why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? Presented. Why did you come in here today talking about how everybody's coming after you on Twitter? I just talked you about have, You obviously hours. do care. I don't care. I yes, think it's, it's embarrassing. It's evident that you don't care. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that we've gotten to the point in high school basketball that teams just stand there with the ball for And it's terrible. Nobody minutes. wants to watch that. But no. nobody's, nobody's there to watch that except for the for loved ones and parents and, and school people. I just like, think, it's, I think it's terrible that if, if high school basketball is really for the kids to learn, go have fun, and do all that kind of stuff, that they're having coaches that are saying, just go stand in the corner and we're going to try to win a game 2 to nothing or 4-2. to two. I haven't seen the film. That's I don't crazy know to me. how the weather for defense... Like they just stood it, there. There's a silent contract saying, "Okay, we're cool." With Weatherford, yeah. So Weatherford not doubling too. people. Like if they don't like, go out and double people and force them to pass the ball, like were they complicit? That's yes. right. That's, that's it's, what I'm it's asking. It's a problem as a whole. I'm not like these two just happen to be the. Uh, I don't think you schools. know enough about it to to make that generalization. That's a it's a societal problem. You know, it's it's a bunch of soft people. Like, let's get you down to Anadarko and you can go to you know no, some practices and go down there. and see what that place is all about. I don't want to do that. I, I don't care like, enough. But that that creates that creates this whole other argument. You're not teaching those kids how to play basketball. You're teaching them how to stand around and dribble. There was a point, and I'm sure Eddie saw it in that Bunky Perkins video with the with the Benny Hill music in the background. There was a point where the point guard dribbled for 40 seconds between the half line and the top of the key. Yeah, like and Weatherford let him do it that's though. That's around. what I'm saying. That's no, what I'm saying. I, I agree. I'm not saying it's just Anadarko. It's insane that there is not a shot clock of any ver- like. If you want to make it 40 seconds, okay, fine, whatever. Make something. Do that's, something that forces these guys to actually play basketball. That's, I think, what, like, this, and hope maybe this is a breaking point, but they just had the vote a couple weeks ago with the OSSAA as far as if schools in, were going to be in favor of shot clock, and these smaller schools didn't want it. I understand nope. that there is 
a monetary situation that you know some school districts aren't going to be able to afford uh, shot clocks. You don't see it happening at the 6A and the 5A level. But for you know teams to show up to the state tournament and this happens, it happens every year, and then it becomes a huge deal. I just think that there's a way that we could avoid this, but nobody wants to make any changes. Well, you have a lot of power. We have a lot of power. Should we go out there and, and raise money for smaller schools to be able to install shot clocks? I guess so. I mean, I Do guess you care enough about that. Not really, to be honest. <laughs> well, <then> no, <laughs> you just want a good radio segment in the morning. No, it's not even about nobody's listening in the morning. It's it's more about You're just, just being, pissing off everyone today. It, well, nobody is. It, it's just it's it's one. I mean, we don't even have equipment that works in that station. It's it's one of those things that it's just embarrassing when I have to log on to Twitter and everybody's clowning on the state of Oklahoma because there was a game that was four to two last night. Enough's enough. It's embarrassing. Shot clock. I mean, that's the thing. Shot clocks would help. But as you said, they had a chance to fix it. The small schools don't want it because they don't have the money for it. Yeah, but but then again, you have people like this clown coach at Anadarko, who's a Hall of Fame coach that's won 700 games, who's known for doing this and just stalling games and winning low-scoring games. But does he just do it against better you know, teams that are in bigger classes that he knows they can't well, I mean, go head-to-head against? Weatherford's in the same class. Yeah, they're, they're in the, Anadarko and Weatherford in the same class yeah, now? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a yep. district game, yeah. I think. It, it's just, and, and that's the other thing. This game had no—the playoffs are set. It had no bearing— on who's going to play who in the playoffs or anything like that. They just went out and did it because that gave them the best opportunity to win the game, which, you know, I've heard from a lot of high school basketball coaches this morning that said, do you not want to have a coach that gives you the best chance to win the game? Not like that. And I think everybody, nobody should let that sit well with them that the best way to win a game is winning four to nothing or four to two. So are you mad at service academies for running triple option? I mean, nobody takes them seriously. Until they go, and that's an oh, offensive overtime, style. Like, OU. But that, that and that's a, a, it's a different, like, that's different. But it's, 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 it's not the same. You're it's doing a, something that has a tangible plan. Yeah, but you're also doing something because you can't compete doing the same thing that everybody else well, does. I mean, I've said for a while, maybe they should stop running the wishbone and stuff. I mean, nobody, so, nobody enjoys watching the Army-Navy game because it's a good football game. It's because of the pageantry of it, yeah, right? Yeah, I agree. I don't tune I mean, in. I mean, I watched to, the Army-Navy game that. on the way home from uh, meeting Josh up at the 6A games this year, and it was like, I wanted to gouge my... The only reason I was watching is because I well, had money on it. hold on. I mean, we're talking a football-centric audience here. I think most of our listeners love... Not most, but a lot love... Because when you watch Army-Navy, like... There are a lot of really cool things that happen in that game, just just from a big play perspective or a, a momentum swinging perspective. It's awesome. I I love the atmosphere that comes, but it's not good football. It's not what it's not what people who watch the NFL are going to want to watch just for college football. No, it's like us. You got to be a certain it's, sicko. It's, it's like if you're 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 flipping past the Patriot League on ESPNU, you're not watching that game in basketball. You're just not. All right, and, uh, and again. I know you want to get on last thing like Navy and Army and Air Force are playing with offensive linemen that are 250 pounds against guys that are 330 from you know Notre Dame or wherever Anadarko's like don't get me wrong I'm not saying they don't have some limitations but that's a school that won state championships in the last 15 years in football like you can't tell me there's no athletes there I don't I don't believe that all right, it is time for, I appreciate that, Josh. It is time for our Enjoy Vision, fresh, fresh perspective, uh, look ahead 
as uh, Sooners getting ready in uh, basketball, if you want to watch, if you care to watch, if you care, as Bob Persbilla would say, uh, taking on Baylor and Kansas this week. Uh, you've got all kinds of drama surrounding uh, Porter Moser and you know rumors about the Notre Dame opening. Softball gets underway. Number one Oklahoma opens their weekend in Irvine, California, uh, February 9th through the 12th at the second annual Mark Campbell Invitational. And Bob Persbillo finally covering a winner. He's covering the uh, women's softball team this year. Uh, also, kind of interesting, Tommy Reese puts the Jeff Levy talk to bed. Uh, Alabama fans very much not happy with their coordinator hirings. Uh, and then chaos begins as Baseball Media Day is coming up this weekend. Uh, who I, I know the man with the perfect vision, Eddie Radosevich, will be there. Uh, and Eddie, uh, you are, uh, you know, we have a, a relationship with Enjoy. Uh, and it started with you because, uh, I mean, you, you were the guy that went and, uh, and, and got your LASIK from them. That's right. I was somebody that uh, required glasses since third grade. And my life has uh, dramatically changed here over the course of the last year. You would not. You wouldn't. Uh, since getting you wouldn't, LASIK, you wouldn't give up the Rex specs. I would. Well, and there was some benefits to that. Even with uh, LASIK, I would still say that the fat, short, chubby kid uh, that dives on loose balls when the team isn't stalling needs to, <laughs> you know, maybe be able to see, maybe be able to have vision, and you can do that at Enjoy right now. Uh, you know, it's mind blowing technology. Experienced eyeball surgeons, uh, exceptional patient care. My mom threw me uh, or dropped me off at the. Uh, enjoy vision and pick me back up, you know, four hours or three hours later, basically. And the entire experience was completely professional, completely easy to take part of. So if you want to, uh, even if you're interested in just getting a, uh, you know, a quote or a bid or whatever, you can, uh, hit up a enjoy, quote, yeah. uh, today, uh, any unofficial 40 listener, uh, $400 off LASIK with the promo code U40. So it's really, really easy. Enjoywithme.com. That is N-J-O-Y-with-me.com. Promo code U40, $400 off of uh, LASIK over at Enjoy Vision. I couldn't say, uh, you know, much more about the group there. It was, it was always one of those things that I thought, you know, I'm, I don't really want, I don't really like the idea of uh, basically getting my eyeballs lasered. Yeah. Like that was, there was a, there was a big hurdle that I had to get over and, uh, it was painless, easy. It was something that I think everybody does and it's kind of cliche, but it's completely true. I wish do I they, would have done it, you know, five years ago. Do I, now I had mine like 12 years ago. Uh, do they still have, have you pop a, 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 uh, pop a little, uh, what is it? Vicodin before yeah, you, uh, that was my favorite part. So I asked the doctor if I could get two of them. <laughs> And they were legally only required or allowed, I guess, to give me yeah. one. But uh, that might have been my favorite part of the Enjoy experience. But uh, no, I'm kidding. It was well, now uh, that you're so small, it probably affected you. Waking up, waking up with perfect vision. It it still is kind of crazy. Like I'll still every once in a while uh, wake up in a daze and try to gla grab my glasses or something. It's like, oh yeah, I can see. I don't have to lay in bed uh, blind anymore. All right, uh, now we're going to move on, uh, and thanks to Enjoy Vision uh, for being such a great part of the podcast. Uh, uh, the Enjoy Vision uh, look ahead, because the fresh perspective look ahead, because uh, we've got uh, plenty going on, uh, or look behind, uh, I should say, look back. Let me start that over. The Enjoy Vision fresh perspective look back uh, on last week, and uh, I know Josh doesn't, uh, well, Josh, let's, let's throw it to you. Anything uh, that stood out to you last week on the recruiting trail? I mean, I know offers have been going out. 
but obviously, you know, nationally you had the Jaden Rashada stuff where he ends up at Arizona State and more stuff starts coming out. I think it was Andy Staples and, and uh, Stuart Mandel at The Athletic that kind of detailed some of the payments that were going uh, to Rashada if he had signed with Florida. Uh, but, uh, you know, outside of that, Oklahoma-related, anything that really stood out to you last week? Nothing terribly Oklahoma-related, but, I, you know, again, like, like you said, a bunch of new offers. Coaches are on break, so it's kind of a quiet period. What I will say just briefly that I think is interesting is Miami had another player that is now asking out of his national letter of intent. And there's a lot of talk that Colorado is involved. And you're like, I wonder, like, is this going to become a thing? Like, is it, is this some new aspect of recruiting that, you know, cause it forever I, guys like me, like once the NLI was signed, you kind of got to be done with that. But now, I mean, you've had this situation, obviously Jaden Rashada's was a little bit unique. And then, you know, Cormani McLean was all but signed to Miami and then just kind of ended at the last second. So you, you just kind of wonder, like, is this some of the Dion effect that we thought might happen at a major level and what that's going to do, um, you know, with, uh, you know, to tie it to Oklahoma a little bit, as much as Oklahoma recruits in the state of Florida? Like, is this something they may have to deal with at some point down the road? I think coaches are just, they're just so anxious for Colorado to start playing football because they want some of the mystique to wear off and maybe that, you know, if they're a very average team, and and I'm sure there's a lot of Division One coaches that are like, I hope this fails, you know. I hope this doesn't work because everybody's in trouble if it does. It, it will force people to look at the way they do things. And I, I, I think there are parts of Dion that could be great sure, yeah. if people wanted to employ them. But I also think there is some gimmickry to it that is going to be – I don't think that's a word. But um, we make up that th- it's going to force people to – or that, that may, I, I don't know, like, I, I'm very open to what's going to happen at Colorado. I, I will say, people thinking he's going to make them like 9-3 and three this year, look at those lines. It, it's it's going to be trouble. Gimmickry is fine. Can we all agree that trickeration is the greatest sports word ever made up out of thin air? Pretty good. Was it made up? Yeah, trickeration didn't exist. I, I, I don't know if Chris Berman invented it, but somebody on the ESPN Sports Center invented it when I was a kid. I guess I didn't realize, but that. it would have been college that where it would have come from. Yeah, because not the pros. Well, let's just roll with it. Yeah, <laughs> trickeration, greatest sports term ever invented. That's fine with me. Uh, well, and I mean, you know, it is interesting too because just you know, we haven't really talked about nil stuff a lot recently, but you know, you see all this stuff that's going on out there, and like you said, Miami and Ruiz, and you saw where the NCAA is coming out and saying that. Uh, they can they can now punish schools based on hearsay almost. Yes, I mean, right. like if they just feel like the news reports are valid enough, like they can punish the school, which I don't know how everybody just doesn't start making Alabama stories or Georgia stories up if that's the case. But I mean, like the NIL space, it's like we've talked a lot about it. We've done some of it in the past. We kind of let it shake out this last year. Uh, we've still, you know, still planning things, talking to people about things. All that stuff is still out there. But, and I've said this from the beginning, I think this is all going to shift and change and morph as it goes along. And at this point, I'm almost to the, you know, almost to where I think schools should be somewhat involved because, uh, I mean, like you look at Oklahoma, there's still two collectives out there. One's taking a bunch of money, but, you know, other than some autographs before games, like there's not a lot of infrastructure there to kind of, uh, 
really kind of do the things that you have to do to pay these guys. Would you say that it's gotten to the point, too, that I think that schools have started to realize this, not to say that any schools were putting it aside by any means, but it's almost a time where they're going to want to get involved because if they don't, and they know that the NCAA is eventually going to get involved, whether that be in five years or ten years, hopefully you know sooner than that, that they want to have all their ducks in a row to be able to kind of move forth with it. I, I, you just can't. Oh, keep, sure, yeah, everybody. You can't I mean, keep if you're it, smart, the can down the road. Yeah, I mean, like Alabama's a really good example. Um, like they just made waves yesterday. Uh, they have a collective that they, yay, yay Bama, I think it's called. Is that what it's called? Yay Bama? Yeah, I believe that's what the, uh, that's, that's the one that they have officially come out or is and it said. Yeah, like, Bama. I can't even. It, whatever. It, it, that's the one that they've officially said, like, that's our collective. Right. Funnel all the money to this one. Right. This is it's what we're one. doing. Yes. And, you know, they made ways by yesterday going out and uh, stealing Aaron Suttles, a longtime Alabama beat writer. Uh, and hiring him on the as you know a part of the collective, and so I would assume Bam is going to give him unprecedented access and all this stuff uh, to be able to tell stories throughout the athletic department. Um, and you know I think like Alabama, I'm sure their school had a hand in that. Like they're not going to go out and hire Aaron Settles without Alabama Sports Information Department or athletic director saying yes or no. That's not who we want representing you know our, the storytelling for our university and our and our athletes. So. Like that, that's what I'm talking about with infrastructure. It's like, okay, so you can take, you can do crowdfunding, but then who's going to, who's going to do media for these kids? Who's going to do autograph sessions? Who's going to do Instagram posts? You know, who's going to sell marketing? Like there's this whole ecosystem that you have to have with you. And I think universities look at what's going on with a lot of these collectives and saying, they're just taking money and not they don't really know what to do with it. We have to build a system. And I call it sustainable all the time, but that is something that I think universities are more focused at. Like, how do we make this sustainable over time? How do we make this to where when so, we get a gift of a, a million, two million dollars, like we have the people in place to make that. Like, we have to build this. We have to have the foundation. And then when the money comes in after we built it, it goes straight to the, the it's, players. It's going to get to a point where it's no longer just a vehicle for funneling money to players that you want to Right. Get. And that's all it's been so far. Yeah, it has yeah. to be. Right. 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 And, you know, I, I think that's why eventually— But I think some of the boosters that are behind this prefer it to be that way. Sure. And I think that there are some schools that are probably taking advantage of that right now. Sure. I mean, if you're not, you're, you're not playing the game right. Right. But at the same time, if— you know, if all of these administrators and everybody that's connected to college football uh, and really, truly any college athletic sport, if they really do care about the sanctity of amateurism and all that kind of stuff. They don't. Well, and maybe that's what we should just start they saying just out loud not, more and more. They just don't want, more than anything, they don't want athletes to become employees. Right. Yes, correct. That's, that's the right. biggest you know, fear that they have. And And guys like Josh, like the Florida thing shows you how out of whack and how quickly this can get when you start promising a kid that's barely a top 100 player in the country just because he's a quarterback a half a million dollars just for agreeing to an NIL deal. Oh, I mean, that is – and what what's crazy is, you know, I had listened to um, some of Sable's pod and he was talking about, you know, there was an early report that Miami had, you know, you had offered him like a $9 million contract or something like that. And the the 
like they, they could never find any sub, you know substantiation of that. They couldn't find any documentation that said, yeah, that was agreed to or that happened. But clearly somebody at Florida believed it. So like that's one of those things where perception becomes reality. Like and that, you know you, you think back to when Jimbo Fisher was so mad that you know sliced bread had said there was a thirty million dollar oh slush God, fund. Sliced basically. bread. Wow, yeah, that's like, a pull. You, you, you go back to that, and like you think about that's why he was so mad about that. Because whether it's true or whether it's not, you don't want that perception out there that like that we have to match up with that kind of money. Um, we, we you know we have to do these things, or if you're not getting you know if you're a thirty man class, why aren't you getting your million dollars? So I, I think there is a lot of that. But what I think is interesting is you keep hearing more and more people talking, um, you know, both publicly and privately about turning this into a brand value conversation and letting guys, you know, that go to Oklahoma, they're going to make more money than a guy that goes to Tulsa or a guy that Tulsa is going to make more money than a guy that goes to, you know, I don't know, South Dakota State or something. You know, like the, letting it be more about like, this university and this football program is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, which brings a lot more value to you than vice versa. Now, I don't know if that's sustainable because you've got guys that, you know, your your Adrian Petersons, your Cam Newtons, your truly special transcendent guys are going to be like, that's cool that I'm getting, you know, that my that my second team guard is making a nice living. But I'm different, you know, and, and, and I know that's hard to say in a team concept, but that's just the reality of it. Well, and like you said, I mean, just buying players, these guys have to figure out that's not going to work. I mean, Ruiz is still spending money at Miami, but what did that money get him last year? It didn't get him anything. And then we don't even we don't have to bring up a And M. I mean, that's a that's a school that seemingly is just saying, okay, he's a five star, give him a bunch of money. And I think well, we all we all we all we all know you know Josh. I mean, we've all watched it. Like, just getting a bunch of five stars is a key to nothing except having talented players on your roster. Whether that translates to wins or not, you get ahead of everybody else though if you can get those guys on campus, right? Sure, yeah. And then it's up to you to actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and for those five stars for those schools that are playing that game, like we're also kind of finding out nobody's going to live up to that deal if you aren't what you were supposed to be coming out of high school. Because there's, I mean. Oh, you can break a contract pretty easily. Well, and that's that's something yeah. that I think we've all talked about, hasn't it? Is, you know, Josh, when this kid, he gets to campus and say, you know, just hypothetically, if Jaden Rashada gets to Gainesville and never touches the field in, you know, his first two years, what are you paying for it? Like, at yep. some point, these people that are putting up the money, aren't they going to get a little pissed off? Well, and what are you creating in the locker room? Jaden Rashada right. can't beat out Graham Mertz, but sure. he's making um, you know three million dollars. Like that, ma again, like guys, we talk about this all the time. Like, I know people think that all these collectives, like they're just bottomless pits. They're not. They expect they expect results. And if if they're paying somebody that kind of money, a they want to see him on the field, and b if they don't, they want they're, they're going to stop giving money to that collective or their own money directly. You know, in the case of a guy like Ruiz. Um, what was it, the what is, uh, TCU collective? Didn't they just kind of shut down and say we're pausing operations, one of them? Oh, I, didn't, I missed sure. that, I yeah. think. Somebody, I think I'm it sure. was a TCU collective. Like, I'm really not sure. But, yeah, I just remember Guys, seeing that. But, I mean, that's going to happen. You're going to see collectives that are like, yeah, we just we don't have any money anymore, so we're, we're done. Well, you see them folding. You see them merging into one. Yeah. Yep. What's so interesting to me, guys, is that basically – 
the contract not being signed between Rashada and Florida is the only reason Florida's not burning up in NCAA's, you know, litigation. Like, I, I'm like, are we really, we're just going to play dumb that this wasn't a, like, this isn't the literal definition of a recruiting inducement that's supposed to be the one thing you can't do with the NIL market. Like, I, it just blows my mind that, like, we just have to all pretend to be stupid. Well, here's the like, other thing. I, I here's the other thing that I, I, I find interesting. Is the NCAA, I mean, can they? I don't think they can, but, like, that's the problem with you have with these NIL deals is, like, so if you're promising this kid all this money and then all of a sudden you just say, well, I'm sorry, we went belly up or uh, I'm sorry, uh, you know, we, we don't have the money. We, we can't live up to this contract. You'll have to sue us for the rest. How many kids are going to want to take the money that they've made so far, invest that into lawyers to file a lawsuit against somebody? I tell you guys this all the time. Like, you know, it doesn't matter if you can win a, a legal battle or not. The goal for us all the time is just to not get in a legal battle. To spend the money to go win a legal battle is sometimes not even worth it. I mean, that's just, and these players are even worse position. They don't have a, a war chest of money to mount a legal challenge against the NIL that has, you know, essentially millions and millions of dollars. The so they can just walk away and say, tough luck, sue us. At the end of the day, they're 18 and 19-year-old college kids. Why are we even like having to talk? Like there is a level of like, I, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I know. And I like, I just, that's the kind of the dirty part about all of this is that like, why should a freshman in college have to be worrying about this kind of stuff? But then again, we're also talking about millions and millions of dollars. But and my other part of that question is why can't the NCAA come in and say, you violated a, a, an NIL contract. Your, your collective did like, we're going to, you know, decredit you or, you know, we're going to de-license them or something like, like somebody's got to hold these, these collectives to Prob a standard. Probably because at the end of the day, the NCAA has done nothing for so long. It's all spiraled out of control. And this is where this thing is at. Is it not? Well, uh, yeah. And I think that's, I, the I, thing, I couldn't agree more. Right. The thing that, that you brought up earlier, when schools want to have a, a plan in place, they want to have a system, they want to take it over. Like, ultimately, that's where this is should be headed because leaving it up to these kind of rogue agencies to just be out there doing what they want to do, they're going to screw people over. They don't care. They just want to, they just want to win football games. And they'll throw their <sighs> millions around to do it, and they'll screw people over if they don't live up to expectations. They don't, they don't have a personal relationship. They don't have – it's kind of like everything else – they don't have to have they don't have to be reliable they don't have to, they're not putting their credibility on the line they're already rich so nobody's going to be like you're a bad person we're, we're going to boycott your company no they're not if a kid, kid's a five-star and he comes in and he's not any good nobody's going to be mad at that collective for not for for cutting him loose that that's why the whole thing guys like the nca fought against all this for years and then like a little kid when it was finally clear that the groundswell was just not going to support them, they were like, fine, just do whatever. We don't right. care. Yep. And what they did is create all these fucking middlemen that now like just get to be in the middle of this. Like Jaden Rashad is not some terrible kid like out there with his hand out. Everything you read and like everything we've seen in the situation sounds like a kid that had a lot of people giving him really shitty advice and a lot of people with their hands in his mm -hmm. pocket. And that that's all this so i don't again the nca not allowing like 
the schools to run this and let them have some sort of collective agreement. And like you, you're just creating middlemen everywhere. And I like, and at some point it's a pattern because almost everything tied to college sports, somehow a middleman and you can call him a bag man or you can call him whatever you want to ends up involved in this crap. And it's, it's just not a coincidence. It doesn't keep happening just by happenstance. And, and like, I, I can't understand why they can't see it and why they can't say, okay, we're going to let the schools or the conferences or some sort of collective idea of the conferences, we're going to let them hash this out. We don't have the ability to govern it or to say it, but we can at least say we're going to permit this to happen under our member schools. Do you guys know uh, one entity that you're never going to have to sue for not living up to their end of the bargain? It's PrimeShrimp.com. P-R-I-M-E shrimp.com. Just absolutely restaurant quality meals uh, prepared in under 10 minutes. Uh, You can choose from a variety of styles. The New Orleans style barbecue shrimp is their newest. Uh, I know Josh can speak to that. They didn't send that to me. Um, Garlic herb butter shrimp, uh, the signature Cajun seasoned shrimp, the French quarter Alfredo, my favorite, lemon and cracked pepper, my second favorite. Uh, And you can just get unseasoned simply shrimp and uh, thaw that stuff out and throw it on the grill with your own seasonings. Uh, throw your uh, Tony Chatcheries. Is that how it's said? You know, the Tony Chatcheries? I know what I you're believe, talking about. I, 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 Sasheries? I, I believe Sasheries. I, I thought it was Tony right, Charcuterie. <laughs> that's a, that's a, <laughs> that is a board of meat and cheese. Um, so, yeah, go check them out, primeshrimp.com. And here's the thing. If you order uh, five packs, and they're singles now, so that's no longer the double packs, uh, which is going to let you try out more and more, uh, go go online, primeshrimp.com, order five packs or more, and enter the promo code SOONERSCOOP, and you're going to get 25% off your entire order. Got a text message a couple nights ago. A big Oklahoma State fan, uh, one of my buddies in Oklahoma City. He's like, what's that, what's that shrimp company that you guys always advertise yeah. on the U40? Because he listens, he's an Oklahoma State fan. I said, ah, that's Prime Shrimp. Won't have to him. sue him. He's like, what's that promo code? I was like, hey, bud, I got you. Sooner Scoop is that promo code. So go put that in. Get 25% off your entire order. Uh, and your kids get dry ice to play with. Just don't let them eat it. All right. Um, <laughs> moving on. Or do. Or, I don't even know what happens if or you do. eat dry ice. Play with dry ice. Stand in four-corner basketball. It's re- up to re- you. Report back to It's up to you. It's the youth of the country right now. All right, uh, there are some other interesting things that took place uh, over the last week, which is uh, Alabama hiring coordinators, and specifically an offensive coordinator, because that finally puts the Jeff Levy stuff to rest. Uh, you know you know us, we've been telling you for a long time, we don't think there's anything to it, we think he's moved on. Uh, and basically, Alabama fans are, and since one guy is too young, the other guy, Kevin Steele, is too old, and Kevin Steele doesn't exactly have a great track record, what was the last uh, D.C. job? He, it wasn't Florida State, was it? He was at Baylor when I was younger. Kevin Steele? Yeah. Well, he was just uh, last at uh, Miami, right? Yeah, he was. He was he, okay. They hired yeah. him from Miami. He was Miami's defensive coordinator. Oh, okay. He was, the, he was an active defensive coordinator. Okay. He, but, but he's been you know, one of Saban's reclamation projects in, on the staff there for a long time. Uh, but the Tommy Rees deal, it really does show you – I mean – I'm sure Alabama fans were mad that they didn't jump on the Garrett Riley train. Clemson, you know, as soon as that game was over, Beat Clemson him. had Beat that deal uh, done. Uh, Jeff Lebby, obviously a guy that was out there, but it just goes to show you 
you know, Jeff is is comfortable in Norman. He likes it here. He's going to make $1.9 million. And we said it all along. It doesn't make sense for him to make a lateral move because he's going to be a head coach if he has success at Oklahoma. Well, and Hey, I- and knowing nothing, I want to say two things real fast. Jeff Levy is not going to go to Notre Dame. I can't even fathom that <laughs> fit. So let's just, let's just – I don't know anything. I'm telling you that's not going to happen. And no OC in the country wants to go coach for Mario Cristobal right now. So I, I, think, I, I think we can say any rumors – are even dumber than some of the Oklahoma stuff that was going. I know that there's a lot of like Oklahoma fans out there too that, you know, were I on Twitter or message boards or wherever hoping that Jeff Levy left. Yep. I think oh, that yeah. just some continuity going into the second uh, year of Brent Venables, especially on the offensive side of the ball, not only is Brent, I mean, uh, Jeff Levy like excited about what they have coming back and kind of the future of the offense. I, you know, it's just important that like, you're not having to go back to square one. And I know we'll get into the basketball stuff here in a little bit, but it's kind of in the same vein just as far as, like, you don't want to have to keep re- pushing the reset button. And I think it's important that you have a bunch of guys that seem like they're in it for the quote-unquote long haul uh, or however long he's going to be here until he gets a head coaching job. Uh, it, it, stuff like that's important. I know that it's not the sexiest thing to talk about, but uh, I do think that, you know, there's nobody that is going to be more loyal to the program right now than somebody like a Jeff Levy. Do you think every podcast we just need to have kind of like a, a I don't know, a, a pep talk of people like Dylan Gabriel's going to be your starting it's, quarterback. It's going to be okay. Jeff Levy's going to be your offensive coordinator. Well, and Ted Roof is still on staff. If, if we're going to do that, I think that that's one of those lessons that some people just they're going to always complain about. And I know that like, you don't know what you're talking about. Oklahoma was, was, were that, was it the best offense in the country last year? No, it wasn't. But to sit around and act like they were just dog shit is also a little dramatic. Right. right. I'm hoping the off season version of Dylan makes his way in the spring and into the season. I want to see that personality. You want to see, you want to see Orlando Dylan Gabriel, like he was at Florida state basically. He was free flowing. He seemed emotional. Yes, like he, he, you could tell, like he was invested, and he's just—he's a pretty just casual. He's a, he's a wine kid. I mean, he's he's low key. He's he's chill. I mean, but you like seeing that fire, indeed. And I think that's what I think the fans didn't feel like they had a connection with him. You know, even I mean, you know, it's amazing that Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, but like even Jalen. As bad as he was in a press conference setting, and Eddie tried everything he could with him. Uh, I never give him a hand job. Uh, <laughs> Noted. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, no, but I mean, you, I think he somebody, was. Well, I, I just say that because I think somebody did try to one time and it didn't work out. Obviously. I think that was Baker. Uh, well, I think it's with anybody that plays for OU. Okay. Um, well, there's a couple candidates there. I can't, you know, I don't know which one is it. Anyway, um, no, but like J- Jalen Hurts on the field, like he was an emotional guy. Yes. Like he got people fired up. I mean, what was the, the tarmac speech that he gave after the Kansas State game or whatever? Um, like you just kind of want to see some of that fire with Dylan. And, and I could see like, you know, last year, first year here, didn't know everybody on the team. Um, but now he knows everyone. He's done the retreats now. Um, you know, he did that to kind of get closer to the guys. But, you know, whole new system, bigger fan base. I, you know, and I think that's the thing. I think coming to Oklahoma, whether he wants to admit it or not, I think that was a little bit of a culture shock to him and being in a program like this. And that was the only question for me is whether if he would come back or not is did he like being in this environment or did he like just doing his own thing and no one really cared? 
So, yeah, I mean, but it's a good thing. Like, don't mess it up. It's a good thing that Jeff Levy is back at Oklahoma. Uh, I don't know why we kept – I think we just kept talking about because people kept putting it out there for clicks or whatever, but we never really thought it was a, a, a serious situation with Alabama. All right, outside of that, uh, we have uh, – boy, sorry, Josh, but uh, things are not going well with OU basketball right now. Ever since the Alabama game – They've been blown out by everybody, and it hasn't been close. Hasn't I mean, even been close. Hasn't, I mean, Bedlam is a 10-point margin, but if you watch that game, you know full well. That they controlled tw- it from beginning 20 to 25. That was not a 10-point 10, 10 game. And you knew after Bama, was like, what, what's going to happen with this team? Are they going to build off it, play with confidence, you know, state their case for why they're going to be more a like team? It, it's, no. Now it's Alabama just laid an incredible egg. Now it's going to – we could, in the next two, three weeks going, this is the most improbable result of the entire season, is that Bama went to Norman and just got destroyed by this team that hasn't won since and didn't win before. They're just so uncompetitive. Yes. I think that's probably... That's the, the biggest They're concern. so uncompetitive, so unathletic, which, you know, I, I can handle losing. You can go through... They, they play in the, the strongest league in, the, in America. Like, there's... You do get a little bit of uh, leeway there, right? Because they are playing night in and night out against the top 25 opponent usually. But roster construction-wise, right. the way the game's being played, it's. It, I think it's perfectly fine to sit and ask Bob like the longevity of Porter Moser and Norman. Like, can he coach at this level? Can he get it? Can he recruit guys to Norman at this level? And right now. It doesn't seem like that's the case. He can recruit him out of high school, but he's got to be more aggressive in the portal. And I know he's had to fight it. He's like, man, if I could just get these guys in the living room, you know, with an in-home visit with the parents, I, I know I can get them. But transfer portal is a different story. And instead of being like, man, it's it's hard. You just got to go all in, ball, you just ball in and go figure out how you're going to bring some of those guys to Norman because that was the biggest obstacle throughout the course of the spring is all the guys. I'm not going to put their names out there. There's about three or four that I could mention that were scared off by Tanner Groves. That sounds ridiculous when you see the way that this season has gone out, but they were, were like, man, Tanner's going to play 30 to 35 minutes. I'm not going to get a chance. There's no reason for me to even want to come to Norman. And that's not how Porter Moser and the staff presented the case, but that's how they viewed it. That Tanner was like the the golden child, and that they were just have mop up duty, and it wasn't gonna be worth their time. Tanner won't, of course, be an issue for this off season that will be coming up. But you have got to find a way to get Plan A guys and not settle on Plan C and try to say, try to convince yourself that this is gonna work. Well, and it's also probably it. You know, I I don't think that Porter Moser and the staff could have predicted that Tanner Moser or uh, Tanner Moser it might be Tanner Moser Tanner Groves was going to take a step back from what he was a year ago and yes. last year wasn't very good exactly you went from like 11 and 6 right I, I believe last year and now he's not even averaging 10 points a game he had 14 12 boards and three blocks against Bama the game before the two games since 11 points, nine rebounds, and two blocks combined. It's just not It's not going to work if that's what he's bringing you. If he's your, quote-unquote, like the heart and soul of your team, and that's what he's providing, no one can follow his lead because he's not leading. Well, and 
you know, it goes back to the decision even to bring in the Groves brothers at this yes, point for why right. his tenure is so bad. I mean, yep. it's not like they were at Loyola Chicago with him. They were at Eastern Washington. And, and they were, I think they were the first guys that he pretty much contacted when he got this job, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, they were among the first. And like, they saw a lot of other post guys without the Groves. They can come in and help us immediately. These are who we should go, you know, uh, go for. And there's been times it's looked, like a really smart move, but it's just not consistent enough for what you need them to be. And that's because they couldn't get that other quality backup big. They kind of lucked out that Sam Godwin as a walk-on has turned out to be something, but you needed another piece. It was never there. Then Yaya Kite got hurt for the season. Like he would not have done anything Saturday in terms of production, but he would have had some minutes as a big guy, maybe gotten a rebound or two. Instead, you go Jalen Hill at center because Godwin and Groves are both in foul trouble, and that's not a recipe for success ever. Well, the construction of the roster has just been – it's yes. been miserable. It, it, like I, And whose fault is that? It's the head coach's fault. Exactly. Like that's, it, that falls back on Porter Moser making a step from mid-major basketball to one of the premier conferences in the country. It, it just does. And that goes to Joe Bamisil and the, his relationship with Emmanuel Dildy from the Northwestern days. They knew who he was before, and they brought him in, and they haven't let him be who he is. They've been so like, oh, he's not good as an on-ball defender. We know that. We, we get it. That's true. But what he brings in terms of his athletic ability and his ability to score, there probably isn't another person on that roster who can do that. And they're finally just letting him, you know, be free and say, all right, we need a spark. Maybe you're the guy. You know, they mentioned he loves the way that uh, Porter mentioned yesterday when I asked that he likes the way that Joe has attacked practice the last two to three weeks. So they knew going to Morgantown that they were going to use him. I don't know if fans really buy that or if they just say, you know what, there's nothing else here, so let's go ahead and throw him out there and see what happens. He's going to get a lot of run tonight against Baylor. We'll see where that goes from there. But, you know, you're going to have to live with the bad stuff he does because he brings so much good. Eight games left on the schedule. Like, I think it's it's at the point you're two and eight in the conference. You're not going to make a move to the NCAA tournament. You're not going to get hot. You're not – I mean, you're just not. Look at the schedule. I need to see something over the next eight games that at least gives me hope for the future. Exactly. If that's playing Otegua uh, 30 minutes a game, so be it. If that's playing Benny Schroeder, so be it. Like, you're also going to start getting into something that is uncomfortable and talking about retention of a, of a roster that mm-hmm. there's a lot of these guys that can come back. Like, as you said, Tanner's the only one that's the only for one. sure gone. Yeah, Jalen Hill can come back. Uh, CJ Nolan can come back. Do these guys want to come back? And play for Porter Moser. And if you don't, then you got a real big problem because for the third year in a row, you're rebuilding a roster that you've already shown. I and it's it's uncomfortable too because the first year, it was a shit situation. He got put in a really bad spot in trying to build that roster. Last year, it's been a failure. And if you're right back to where you were this past season, and oh by the way, you you're gonna have to go out and hire a uh, assistant coach because that guy also didn't want to be a part of the program anymore. Like, there's just some stuff that's building that I'm at the point, Bob, where it's like, I just don't know if this is working. It seems like an uncomfortable fit for a lot of reasons. Yeah, it's like, if it's one thing, okay. If it's a, fine. But it's every single obstacle keeps blocking the progress of where you want the program to be at this point. And, you know, it's 
it's going to be it's because that roster is so young, basically. So many guys can come back. It's going to make every offseason kind of crapshoot. You, you're going to have no idea who wants to come back. I think you'd have to look C.J. Nolan when you begin the season as a starter, and now you're kind of just playing spot duty off the bench, and he's just kind of really ch- just – chucking up threes whenever he gets in and not providing much more than that in the last couple of weeks, you sort of wonder where his head is at and, and where that thing is going. I think he's done a good job with the freshman. I don't think the freshman should be okay. I think Uzan has kind of hit the freshman wall a little bit, and that's because he had to play 25 to 30 minutes, you know, to start conference play instead of, you know, 15 to 20 and being eased, eased into things. They relied on him so much. He needs to get a second win here going down the stretch, but they, they just need some spark. If it's Otega, if it's Bamisil, get more athletic and see where it goes. I have I have a question for you, um, and I'm going to ask it after. Uh, I remind you guys that the temperatures have dropped, and we have entered prime sock season. Our friends over at Dead Soxy just announced their BOGO winter sale. That's buy one, get one. Right now, when you buy two sock bundles, you get the second bundle 50% off uh, or get a free pair of socks with any single pair you purchase. That's right. A free pair of socks with any single pair that you purchase. To get the deal, just put any two bundles or any two pairs of socks in your cart and apply the code SCOOP. Uh, if you've got bundles in there, it'll take 50% off the least expensive bundle. If you got two pairs of socks in your cart, it'll make the least expensive pair free. So head over to deadsoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com and stock up on this incredible winter sale. Uh, that's Just remember, use that promo code SCOOP and it's the buy one, get one sale. And as always, stay Soxy. Okay, here's my question for you, Bob. Is the difference between this team being a tournament team and not the inexplicable loss of Elijah Harkless during the offseason? No, it's more Mo Gibson because they thought they – Porter, you, 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 you could tell. He's like, all right, I get it. EJ wants to go closer to home. That's going to make sense. But they didn't think they had to find anyone for Mo. Because Mo wasn't going anywhere, and he opened the floor so much. And even though when you, there were there were games where Mo couldn't hit anything, but there were games, and he had one for DePaul against Xavier, where he would hit six or seven threes. And you're like, this is what he brings to the table, and that seemed like a gut punch. And they never really found another guy to go that that next shooter. And we've seen they struggle shooting, and when they struggle shooting, it affects every other facet of. The, of their game, which Porter admitted to me last week, that's this is the year he's seen that the most. He's never seen that where if you make you, you don't make shots, it affects your rebounding and the way you pass and the way you defend, and that's happened more than with any other team he's ever coached with this year. And and that's what it is. It's just a break or two, the wrong direction every single time. Instead of getting the break, it went against their way. I'm just looking it up right now. Uh... Basically, Mo Gibson averaging about the same he did at Oklahoma. A few yep. more points a game. Yeah, I mean at DePaul. At DePaul. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. DePaul, <laughs> the school in Chicago. De- yes. DePaul, where my mom went. Yep. OU's sorry, Bob. <laughs> OU's losing kids to DePaul. Well, well they lost Harkless to what? To, uh, UNLV. 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 He's playing, yeah, playing, playing Kevin Kruger. Kruger. Yeah. I mean, Lawrence, brother, like that. That not. one. It's almost like yeah. It's like you said. I get it. Well, I, it's not great. But I get it. But that that was also Mo overestimating his worth. He thought he'd end up at Florida or Baylor. He really thought he was going to go home to Waco with Baylor. Then he thought he joined Carlin Hartman in Florida. And 
that was his last option. Yeah. <laughs> he had to be a blue demon. But so it's it's weird how it's worked out. And now with the Notre Dame rumors, I mean that that's not going to go away because if OU goes into the tank, it'll be like they'll go to Lincoln Riley say, "Oh, he gave up on the team," and because he was ready to leave. But then if OU makes a run, it's like, "Oh, he's making his value as much as possible." So that no Dame has to work to try to get him. So none of that's going to go away unless the Irish make a move. We knew when Mike Bray announced that he was going to resign at the end of this, uh, retire at the end of the season, Porter Moser's name was going to come up because of all the things that make, all the dots you can connect. Well, now we're getting into the weeds of it to where is this actually going to happen? And is it actually affecting what's going on with this team? Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Are, we exactly. Are we done? Are we done? <laughs> so, I mean, basically, yeah. I mean, Oklahoma, they're not in a position to buy him out and just fire him. I mean, they, they have to hope that he takes another job. Yes. And it's, it's and just that weird. That gets into the buyout situation. It goes to the buyout, and it goes back to his impassioned speech after the Bama game that was ten, like 10 days ago. That's all that was. And it feels like a lifetime. But I got to think, if, if Notre Dame is a reality for him, mm-hmm. he goes to Joe and he says, or Notre Dame goes to Joe and they say, we'd like to hire him. Can we do something about the buyout? And Joe probably doesn't say, well, it's not nothing, but it's probably <laughs> much you know, less than $9 million. And do it goes down to seven next on year, it? Right? I've heard it's $9 million and it goes down to six on that's, April 1. That's what I heard. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. So, it, you know, final four weekends, what? End of March, that April one. 1. Yeah, that one. Like, that's usually when some of those moves are made. It just, you know, again, like, do you want to get something done? The like, problem their season is going to be over in exactly. a month. Exactly. Then you're, so then you're, you're wasting a month right. of the calendar year just for three, for, for three million dollars. I don't know how that stuff works. Could that's, they, that could, they could go weird. to, could they go to the whoever and say, we know that we're not going to have to wait a month. Can we just get this done? I mean, a contract, you can do whatever you want with it. And then, how does Notre Dame view things? That's, well, and that's 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 my question. Yeah, like if I'm a Notre Dame fan, and I like again, this is where you kind of get into it's it's so interesting because if I was on the outside looking in, and Notre Dame, if I'm a Notre Dame fan, which I am because I'm Catholic, all city uh, altar server, by the way, it's one of those things that I don't know if that's a good thing. First team, I was never touched. <laughs> it's one of those things that. Like I think it, I still think it would be a good hire. I think he can still coach. I just don't know if he can do it here. Yeah, there would be a lot of Shaka Smart. They'd go, oh, you can work He's at a Texas. Great coach. Yeah. It's working out at Marquette. Marquette, their top fifteen team again. Is like sometimes the fit doesn't work. I and I, you know, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I think if you would if you would ask Porter Moser. And put a little Jim Traber truth serum, oh, serum in him. We really have to do that on our pod. <laughs> uh, if, but if you seriously asked him, if you thought, if is this what you signed up for? I there has to be nights where he walks into the Lloyd Noble Center uh, and goes, "What did I get myself into?" Absolutely, he's got to get to the SEC. I I just don't know if he's going to be able to. They get to the SEC, they're going to be a much more competitive basketball it's, school. It's been insinuated to me that I don't think. Porter Moser really likes the idea of coaching in the SEC. So, I don't know. Too many athletes in that league for this team. Uh, 
They'd it's, win a lot it's, more. It's, they it's took they took the best the best one down by twenty four. Yeah, they yeah, but let's let them play. Yeah, exactly. I think Alabama. I think a hundred. You take a hundred, Alabama Listen, might win nine. Hey, if OU shoots seventy percent in the first <laughs> half and makes six threes, they're gonna they they will play with a lot of people. And if things would have bounced right there for what that two and a half week period, I think that we'd be talking about this thing a lot differently. But it it because it is so ugly. You know, and this is where we're you, at. We're Baylor, Kansas, and then it's Kansas State, Texas. So that's the next two weeks. Sigh. Josh, you're welcome back to Sigh. the pod now. <laughs> I think we've got uh, it. It's just so, it's 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 maddening mm. that every week we have to go through just airing of grievances for the basketball program. I mean, it's over now. guys, and again, we all know how rudimentary my knowledge is of all things going on with this basketball team, but wasn't Porter's big beef like the transfer portal and how chaotic that is and recruiting and the chaos that comes right. with that? Yeah. Like, yeah. The, it, it stands to reason that the, he would hate the SEC because, like, everything that's tough about all of those things, it's just on steroids in the SEC, even if it is basketball. I know it's, it's a little different. It's not the same. And, like, I realize that the product on the floor isn't as good. But, I, I mean, you think there's a lot of backroom deals in the Big 12, the SEC, like, Jim Bob does not give a shit about the NCAA's rules. But they don't have, again, they don't have to. They, I mean, nobody has to. They, anybody can do whatever they want. Yep. Yep. I mean, and that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like in some places in the country, there's still this, like, well, like, we could, but it's kind of wrong. You know, like whether it's morally or against the rules or whatever, the SEC is just double birds. They don't care. Like they 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 don't care about any of it. Yeah, but what it comes down to is, do you have more people willing to just throw money at things? And they do in the SEC. Yep. I mean, Ole Miss has willfully more money and blindfully. And I would say yeah. OU's NIL movement is a little more structured compared to the last off season. Where I'm, sure, I'm, yeah. I would love to actually ask Port, like, how did you try to describe what you guys could offer when you had no idea, really? Yeah. And I think that you know, well, and so far the only thing that's been announced is a full football player. You know, NIL program, not a basketball. We haven't had a basketball one announced. Yet. I think, unfortunately, for him, you know, for Porter too, that like when he's trying to put all this stuff together, there is very much a flux as far as like what's going on with the OU football program after Lincoln Riley. Like it, this all comes back to this scumbag Lincoln Riley. <laughs> Blame it all on him. I'm fine with that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, you know, there is another team uh, playing that uh, is women's softball that should get everybody's spirits up. Uh, I know, Bob, you were at uh, Patty Gasso's media day, and, and I think uh, Jada Coleman was there. Coleman. Women's basketball was pretty badass on uh, Tuesday night great as well. Great comeback uh, from them. Jenny Bronchek's doing a great job. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, that there is life back in the OU women's basketball program for sure. Um, we don't cover it, which we should. We will in the future. But let's go to softball and just kind of 
You're take, it seemed to me, I watched some of the Patty Gasso uh, interview, and it's, it's kind of like you would expect from any great coach. Like, we're back at square one. Like, what we did last year doesn't exactly. matter. Have to be. That's um, have, have to have that mindset. Basically, yeah, we, we, we run-ruled everybody last year. That doesn't mean that's going to happen this year. And they don't want team. it. That's why their schedule is so ambitious. They're looking to try to get more competitive you know, games. The run rules, she said it flat out, doesn't make our team better. So that's not that wasn't the goal. Very happy with how the schedule has panned out, starting with the tournament this weekend. And a lot of ranked teams give you a good idea of where you stand. And a lot of, you know, let's figure out who's in what position, who's where they need to be in the batting order so that when Big 12 play comes around, we are ready to roll. Is is Jada Coleman unquestionably the star of this team, or does Grace Lyons have an opportunity to kind of become the... Tiara Jennings. Or Tiara yeah. Jennings, yeah. Tiara <laughs> Jennings. And that's what's... That's actually right. That's what's fun about that team. You could go with four or five and not be wrong. But if you put Tiara Jennings in the position to score all the runs, like, they they were batting Jocelyn, what, second all last year? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a reason. But, like, you put her third or fourth, I mean, she'll clean up. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have Jada leading the lineup and then TRA and, and then it's just going to be, all right, it's, it's time to have fun and see how it all going to shake out. And we, you know, mentioned and explain the, p- the, the pitching part to me, because I mean, you know, I, I think just casually, if you watch a team, like you think like, okay, Nicole May is going to make that jump this year. Um, but there's new, you know, transfers and things involved. Here. Alex Stur- uh, Stur- Storaco from Michigan, four year pitcher at Michigan. That is going to come here in finish it off. And I think I was conditioned to do it too. Like softball, you have one ace and then you hope you have a couple people that are serviceable and Patty's going at it. I want four quality pitchers and I can just bring them in whenever I feel like it. Jordy Ball's completely healthy. She hasn't had any issues at all dating back to last spring and summer. And then she believes that Nicole May is going to have her best season yet. You're bringing Storaco. Kirsten Deal was the number one pitcher for the 2022 class. So you're looking at a four-person staff that can dominate any which way so that you're done with the days of, like, Paige Parker's arm falling off. And that's what Patty referenced. Like, I I couldn't believe I did that to Paige for those years. I'm never doing that again. I'm getting a real staff. And having all the ladies understand – Okay, you you know, I don't know if you want to be labeled an ace, but you're all part of something incredibly special, and we have all the confidence in the world in all four of you. And and you mentioned, like, you know, not getting the innings last year. Like, when Jordy Ball got hurt toward the end of the year, like, that was a real problem. I mean, they had to have people step up because Jordy Ball was the person that they relied on to get him out of everything. I mean, to close everything for him. And those other pitchers had to kind of – figure it out as they went along through the tournament. And, and that's why they're, they're hoping for a lot more competitive regular season, just so you know who you can trust and you earn, you know, that confidence through the two-to-one the two to win or going to extra innings and having to pull it out and figure out a way on how to win instead of just being simply better and run ruling day in, day out. And, you know, I, I think I know I was one of them. I thought Nicole May might look to the portal, try to become a number one somewhere. I thought it said a lot about her character, the fact that she's sticking around. It's like, I'm going to be part of this one more time. I know what we got here. I know what I can do. And, I mean, that 
for as good as that staff is, that lineup might even be better. And this is, again, this is when you talk about the transfer portal, Storaco, Sidney Sanders, Arizona State, gives you another loaded bat. I mean, this should be a lot of fun. It's fairly reminiscent of, and Haley Lee as well, the yes. uh, catch for Maine M. It, it, it's reminiscent of, you know, I think what we always look at in college football with Alabama and yes. people that you just expect, <laughs> oh, they're going to lose all these guys to the transfer portal. And, yeah, they do at some extent. The numbers probably more so because there's a lot more football players than softball players. Uh, but at the same time, it speaks to culture. It speaks to, you know, everything that you would imagine when you're talking about a, a back-to-back defending national champion that, you know, like I know that we joke about it, but literally it's it's a shock when they go lose a game, not, a just, game. <laughs> not just lose in general. Exactly. And it's been you know, sort of a wake-up call for those transfers and that are so used to being the star at their school and maybe only focus – on hitting, and that's one thing Patty has preached, and something that Jada Coleman and Grace Lyons both talked about Monday is you got to be an all-around player to play here. You can't just you know one specialty. That's got that's not going to be enough. We've we know how to do all the. You need to bring everything to the table, and that's where Sidney Sanders is, is starting to learn. Okay, what more can I bring to the table? And it's just going to be fun, just fun sort of watch. How they ingratiate themselves into the team? What kind of you know are they a big part of what's what's going on and how they factor in? But you look on paper, this team should definitely contend for a national championship. I don't want to say they should win it, but really, I think they should. And the, I mean, to me, one of the intriguing parts about this season, just from a a national perspective, is how local it is. I mean, their biggest competition. The people that are chasing them, Oklahoma State and Texas. I mean, people they had to go through last year to win it all. I mean, it's like, it's kind of like Georgia and Alabama a little bit. I mean, they've bit. created these mini monsters that are coming after them. Uh, and so it's it's tougher than ever for them to stay on top of the hill. It's crazy, too, that, and we, we have uh, Nicole Mendez on to do like a Sooner Review every Monday. And like, she was talking about just like the culture of softball in the state of Oklahoma. And obviously we have, you know, the college world series just right up the street, but there is such Roger good, state. like, yep. Call small college. Yes. Softball, high school, softball, uh, you know, travel ball, softball. It used to be a thing where I think you basically had to travel out to California to get all these yep. girls. And, you know, Patty did that, but at the same time, I think that, you know, it's only getting stronger and stronger here. Uh, kind of at the forefront. It's been kind of cool. It'll kick off. Well, it'll begin Thursday through through Sunday, and you know this first month of season clearly really not going to be in Norman too much. But we'll be at all the media times so that we can talk with Patty and, and the and the players and just kind of get a feel of how things are going here during the first month. I'll go to Palm Springs. <laughs> I'll go cover. I'll go California tomorrow. Irvine. Irvine. Let's give it. Let's. It's first year. Let's give it some time. We'll start <laughs> planning I, for that uh, in the future. I think that I, I've been to Irvine, California. In fact, uh, I ate in Irvine, California, the night before meeting Bryce Youngquist at the Rivals. Oh uh, my God! There's a poll camp event. And where is he now? Probably still in Irvine. <laughs> Life's biggest question: is, Where yeah. is Bryce like, Youngquist I, who now? Knows? No, no one knows. Like he came up again. I had people asking me at Under Armour and back in December, like, "Whatever happened to that guy?" I'm like, literally, it's just a mystery. Like he just fell into a black hole. Okay, uh, coming up this weekend, also more stick and ball. OU baseball is going to have their media day. Uh, what is the? I mean. We know, you know, the youngsters that were such a big part of things last sure. year. 
uh, and Nicholas and there's uh, um, the other outfielder. Why am I forgetting? John Spikerman. Spikerman. Uh, but the pitching staff obviously turning over quite a bit. Uh, two really, really good pitchers. Uh, and, I mean, what what is the prospect on, on – on, yeah, just just the team in general. Yeah, I you know I I think that everybody was a little concerned when these preseason top twenty five teams come out and you don't see the defending runner up. Yeah, uh, a part of it. It it makes sense though. I mean, what they lost on the mound uh, in their Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night starter, or you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday afternoon starters, uh, is going to be a lot to make up for. And I think that you know when you look at what Skip's track record is, it's going to be kind of interesting. They went out and got a bunch of guys out of the JUCO ranks. They have a lot of live arms. We went out to uh, the Fall Ball Series and watched them uh, not too long ago. And I think it's just going to be kind of a, uh, a testing out process here early on. Uh, you know, Cale Davis, the kid from Oklahoma State, it sounds like it's going to be in the starting rotation. Uh, you know, it, it's just going to, it's going to take a while, I think, to, uh, you know, kind of go through those doldrums of, uh, of finding out when the lights come on, is this kid just really, really good at the JUCO level, or is he going to be able to compete in one of the better conferences in the country uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? So, you know, I, I think And that'll that, be a big part of the early season is figuring right. out those Friday, and I, Saturday I think cases. it's the most important thing is, is don't overreact if some kid goes out and gets shelled, uh, you know, in the first three innings in a game in, in mid-March. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a process. You're going to have to be a little bit patient with it. Uh, but at the same time, offensively, I think they're going to be pretty damn good. They feel like they're going to be extremely good, uh, you know, just one through nine with guys that can truly, every one of them could run a little bit. And I think everybody saw what, you know, kind of the chaos baseball uh, type mentality did for this team a year ago and getting guys on base and moving them around. Uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that plays here early in the season, especially at Eldell Mitchell where, uh, you know, when that north wind is blowing, it, it plays a little different. You're going to have to use a little bit of small ball because you're not going to be able to use power uh, to get the ball out of the uh, out of the infield. So, uh, who's my catcher be, this year? Who's replacing the? It's going to be interesting. You know, Easton Carmichael, Braden Carmichael's uh, younger brother is a freshman. Okay. Oh. And then Diego Muniz caught a lot during uh, the fall. So I have to see what kind of receivers we got this year. I, that's going to be you know, and I think it kind of gets overlooked. Well, not overlooked, but just how freaking good Jimmy Crooks was as a defensive oh, yeah. catcher. It wasn't just somebody that could rip a bunch of doubles. He was a very, very good really liked uh, defensive catcher. So Plus, uh, I love a guy that does stuff without batting gloves. Yeah. Pretty hardcore. Old timey. So, I, you know, it's, it's going to be kind of interesting to see who ends up winning that battle. Uh, you know, I, th I know that there's a lot of people that are really excited about, uh, you know, the power that they brought in. Uh, now I completely blanked on the kid's name. Uh, he hit the two grand slams in the, uh, I've just completely blanked. Bryce Madron, God. Uh, he won, you know, triple crown at Juco. So uh, it will be kind of interesting to see kind of how he, I guess, ingratiates himself to D1 baseball. I think it's going to be a smooth uh, process, but we'll see. Tavion Bonds is a freshman. Uh I, they're really high on the uh, the Rocco Garza Gengora uh, kid. If he can maybe slide in and play a little bit of first base this year, so it'll be fun. And then you know, usual suspects like you said, you know, Sebastian Norduno's back, Diego's back, uh, Kendall Pettis is back, Spikerman, Nicholas, like there's there's uh, Wallace Clark who you know 
surprisingly got left off of the preseason all big 12 team i think that's probably pissed him off a little bit so they have a bunch of guys james hits another pitcher left-handed guy from texas tech that's going to get an opportunity early uh, it's going to be kind of fun have you seen the have you seen nicholas and spikerman in person in the last couple of months at all just at the fall ball stuff curious like if they put on some good weight and stuff because i could see those two really kind of making that confidence leap where they just start jacking it yeah i i think with nicholas that's kind of going to be expected i Spikerman has a little bit of pop, but he's always going to be a guy that is just so extremely He's fast. more that bat speed I'm guy. not going to say I don't want him uh, not hitting home runs because you're always going to take that. But, you know, just getting him on base is always going to be an added bonus. I'm excited. I think a lot of people are excited about baseball, about softball, obviously. Uh, so it should be great. Uh, spring football, uh, you know, coaches are on vacation right now, so it's a little bit quiet out there. We may have... Uh, had a straggler come in the office in the uh, from the football staff. Anthony McKenzie, morning. Patrick Enslov, and Dakota Harris are three newcomers too. Uh, McKenzie, a kid from Sam Houston, that's going to probably play one of the corner bases. Uh, and Dakota Harris was a kid from Polk State College that won uh, a gold glove at the division, whatever that is. I think it's JUCO level last year. So, all right, I'm done. Got it in. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll start previewing spring football and all that stuff. And, um, you know, as the studios continue to get finished, you'll start seeing more content uh, out of there. We've got, you know, some big stuff happening, um, stuff that we can't really talk about just yet, but uh, some uh, additions that we'll be discussing soon. So that's exciting. Uh, and, uh, Josh, anything that you wanted to hit on before we get out of here today? No, it, it's a pretty pretty quiet week in recruiting. The, the only thing I will say, and it, it's something you guys were there. I, I was I was just kind of hanging out yesterday, and somebody asked me a question during board chat, and I was kind of interested to hear your thoughts on this. So we, we've been about a year since Brent Venables' first class finished, you know, and he talked a lot about, you know, they weren't going to be about early offers, and they weren't going to be, you know um, – uh, kind of rushing to judgment. They weren't going to offer freshmen, you know. They Before they played do... varsity and all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. Still yeah like, and you look around and, you know, and, and I'm not saying they, they, they've they broken all those rules, but, boy, they've bent them. Yep. And I, I'm interested to see, like, do you uh, – I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, why, why would he have said that then and then behaved this way now? And I think some of it is a little bit of he'd been at Clemson where those rules were pretty well established. The kids kind of understood it. Um, and, you know, and, and Clemson was on top of the hill. So it was very easy to kind of live that lifestyle. And now that I look back on it, I, I'm like, is it just that? Or is there, was that almost like a message to, you know, the, the current recruiting class, the, you know, like, I, I, I look back and I almost wonder if that was some branding kind of packaging, like this Oklahoma is important. We want you to treat it like it's important. Or if that would, or that's just something he hasn't been able to implement yet. I I, I kind of got into that thought. I don't know if it's that interesting, but I just kind of thought that was a interesting look back. You know, about a year later. I thought maybe that's what he wanted to do, and realized that's not going to work. Like, oh, I I've got to offer these kids early because yeah, I I got to make sure we're in the conversation when they're a junior. I need they need to be thinking about the Sooners and not oh now I've. I've offered, but they already had 30 schools come in before that, and they think I've disrespected them. It could also be just the, you know, the the proximity effect. Like at Clemson, yeah, they had so many players in their backyard, they could they could afford to do that a little bit more than in Oklahoma, where 
if a kid's out in California, you got to start showing you, him love as a sophomore. Know. Exactly. Because they got to know. Lincoln Riley's going to be out there doing it. I mean, Georgia's going to be out there doing it. Alabama's going to be doing it. Like, it's just, I, I just think it's one of those things like, yeah, it was good in theory, but in real world practice, it does it didn't make a lot of sense. And we didn't think it made sense when he said it at that press conference. We had doubts that that was going to be a, a possibility, like if that could work. And, you know, um, guys, tell me again. I'm sorry. A couple of recruiting thoughts here. And I swear I'll let everybody go. I know everybody's got better stuff to be doing. The well, this is the only, this is the only about, part that people will fast forward to. So we better take advantage of it. <laughs> so somebody asked me on the board chat, like, what, what are some things you could do? And I, and I want to be really clear. I think they've implemented a lot of really smart stuff brought in more staff they're, they're doing things that make a lot of sense and are and are catching Oklahoma up in the recruiting space what I would think is interesting because you know guys we I've talked about like oh you could do a seven on seven camp or you could do like a Friday Night Lights that I've talked about for years thinking that would be a really interesting idea but something that I've never seen anybody else do there's not really like an elite lineman camp out there like and you've got a guy like Todd Bates who has all his NFL production you got Bill Biedenboe who's got all his NFL production like do you think that you could create like a, a camp like that and you could even have the seven on seven stuff going on alongside it and you almost brand Todd Bates and Bill Biedenboe is like it's their camp like they're running it these guys and you make it like I wonder, does that make it a bigger deal for these kids? Like when Todd Bates like, walks into their living room, would you like, like make you're, it you're a traveling camp? Like it's in Atlanta, it's in California, it's in Florida. That would be like I was thinking in Norman, but that's an interesting twist that I hadn't thought about. Because like, I'm thinking about like route. I'm thinking about like the stuff like Lane Johnson does that offensive lineman thing that Creed got started in, where they all mm-hmm. go to I think Nashville and they do the tight end thing in Nashville. But then Brent said he didn't want to do any satellite camps. Exactly. But he also said he didn't want to offer a kid before he played varsity <laughs> football. No, they ha- they half-heartedly did that a couple of years because that's where Ethan Downs got his offer. It was at the offensive line, def- uh, defensive line camp. But it, it, it was more of just like a, a one day. Who, who, it was like the kicker camp. Like, like whoever wants to show up. Yeah, show up. It, it, it wasn't and... trying to bring in the best of the best. It was just if you can make it, make it. And that, I but mean, no, but like Downs if you could, the best. if you could go. Out to California, have Trent Williams come out. You could go, uh, you know, to Nashville or something and have, you know, Lane Johnson and Creed Humphrey come out. I mean, like, th- that would be big time. I mean, that would be – I don't know how the NCAA views that yeah, stuff is the only thing. That, that would be interesting because, like, you're not supposed to provide that sort of contact, but if, like – there, if Lane Johnson just happens to be working a camp, like <laughs> well, you get a, you know. get a school in that area to <laughs> to sponsor the camp. Uh-huh. I mean, exactly. if you go out to California, you get like um, Stanford or something. You know, I mean, who wouldn't who what school wouldn't or Cal or whatever? What school wouldn't love to have those offensive linemen coming in to meet their coaches? Yeah, I I just I, I you know like we talk about branding a lot and like recruits and that kind of thing. Why wouldn't you brand your coaches like like you make them like because again like and I get like a guy that maybe doesn't have you know the the skins on the wall or however you want to say okay, that but you're not, they're not, not allowed no, you're not allowed no I'm sorry is that is that a no is that a no I don't I'm terrible about that kind of stuff the the Bill Biedenboe the Todd Bates guys that have a lot of NFL success and track record and these kids are gonna like you get to put it gives you another excuse to put their resume 
up in front of the best players in the country at the positions they recruit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, I don't know if you're trying to leave us and get a job on the OU staff or not, but that's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was an interesting idea. I, I, I'm sure there's a million reasons why it's stupid, but I just thought it was interesting. Tiffany, where does Tiffany want to move to? Where, where are you trying to get to? Oh, no, pfft, t- Tiffany could stay here forever. It, it, it's... It's me that somebody asked me on again on the board chat, like, what would you say? Uh, like, what would you summarize Houston with? And I was like, anywhere but here. That that would be my my summary of living. I'm not in Houston, far off. So. That's a great endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why he lives completely on the other side of Houston, as far away as you can from that's factual. Woodlands. Oh God, I I am trying to fix that. I'm like, I could cut like an hour and a half, two hours out of my drive if I just lived on the other side of Houston. If I lived as far south as, or far north as mm-hmm. I live south. All right. Um, no, it's, it was, uh, it's an off-season pod, but we covered a lot of ground, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, hopefully you guys will uh, check in and, and tune in and, and uh, follow our coverage of uh, softball and, and baseball. Uh, and then spring football will be all hands on deck. And uh, like I said, a lot of exciting things to come. Uh, by the way, I want to thank everybody who's been, uh, especially the Isaiah Thomas stuff in the uh, Soonerscoopstore.com. Uh, that's Soonerscoopstore.com. $10 hoodies, $5 t-shirts. We're, we're clearing out the Isaiah Thomas collection. A lot of people have been buying those and uh, appreciate that. But yeah, if you need a cheap hoodie for the kids uh, or for yourself, you want something to work out in, uh, $5 t-shirts, go check them out. And uh, we appreciate your support. We've also got the Make Lindsay Street uh, stuff. As, as well as fully stocked on the unofficial 40 retro helmets and the uh, unofficial 40 wagon shirts as well. I would imagine, too, Josh, you know, moving forward here in the next couple of weeks, there will be a decision somewhat made for the Virginia linebacker, Nick Jackson. I know that you hit on him in scoop last week. Uh, he announced so, Sunday he's finally, oh, he did? that he's leaving Virginia. Oh, shit. Like, okay. not, I thought, I thought I'd, I'd miss something. No, he announced that I'm not, I'm not coming back. I know that was on the table. All right, well, that's so, interesting. Sunday he said he is not coming back. That, maybe it's OU and or uh, So he LSU. was the guy that said that it was thought he felt too close to his teammates after everything that happened. He wanted to stay there. Now right. he's yeah. coming back. Correct. Now I think, he's entering in the transfer portal again. Right. Well, he's, he never – He's left the, the portal. Okay. But okay. now he's like, I'm not coming back. I, I okay. am leaving. There okay. was there was maybe a thought there, I think, as of last week that, you know, maybe was his draw to be with his teammates after everything Correct. that happened in Charlottesville. Uh, maybe he thought about, you know, thinking twice about maybe leaving. But it sounds like he will now is basically yes. what it is. So. Yep. All right, yeah, well, that'll be I, interesting. I keep hearing LSU and Iowa with him. Iowa, as well. Oh, Iowa, really? Iowa, interesting. Yeah, Iowa, yeah. some as well. Yep. Well, I mean, who wouldn't there want to go, go to a place that put the quota on their offensive coordinator? <laughs> oh That's my the God. greatest Can we contract do 30 ever. Minutes just on <laughs> Iowa, like I, I could talk about that forever. I, mean, well, I like, I like. So, is they, there any doubt he'd already be fired if it? Wasn't, oh my God! I've is. never heard of a contract like that being redone during the off season. Basically, it basically says we hate you, and if you don't do this, you're out on your ass. If you don't average 25 points a game, you're you're no longer going to be a coach here. Like the best, the best thing is they made they made Iowa clarify: do defensive touchdowns yes. count to the 25? <laughs> They scored defensive touchdowns. They're good at that. A, a ton, like an unbelievable amount of like, and that, that I mean, and somebody was like, it's like, I think it would make them 85th in the country in scoring offense if they hit that number. So 85th 
and making a bowl and we're like, we're good here. You know, like, <laughs> what are we doing? Like, like you're acknowledging this is a joke. Yeah, it's kind of like we can't just fire somebody, like especially the coach's son. Well, because he's – like people don't realize it. He's in a very similar Jimbo Fisher situation. Like they can't pay him out. Like he has way too much, too big of a buyout right now. Like, they, they can't do it. And so what are they going to do, force him out? Like I'm not firing my kid. Okay, fire me. Okay, cool. You owe me $40 million. Like great. Probably still, well, anyway. All right. Um, so that's going to do it for us this week. We're going to be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 podcast where uh, softball will be underway. Will baseball have played a game then? By next week? By next week? No, no. Friday. No. Friday. No. Friday. A week okay, from Friday. Friday. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we'll have lots to talk about, some more football as we get closer to spring football as well. So I appreciate everybody listening. We'll see you next week right back here on the Unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com.